This is the voice of tradition, Jonathan Darwin, and you're listening to Wrestling Nostalgia. And welcome to Wrestling Nostalgia. I am your host, Dave Dynasty. Thank you for joining us in whatever fashion you do. We're available on all podcast platforms. So whichever one you listen to us, make sure you subscribe, share the episodes, etc. We are migrating over to a new podcast host. There is a chance that for a brief time, some episodes might disappear. Um, that's just, just part of the process as as different servers and hosts sync up or whatever. I'm, I don't under, fully understand all the logistics here, but we are, we are switching to a new podcast host uh, plat that we do. It, it, it won't interrupt your feeds, but there might be brief times where certain episodes, especially older episodes disappear for a bit until everything migrates over and I get everything and make sure all the links are sorted out and et cetera, et cetera. So just be patient with us. Uh, with that, if any of you see any issue, if you see us disappear on the podcast platform that you use, please make sure you reach out to me, message me on Facebook, send me a tweet, and I will get the issue resolved. Uh, that's the best best means we have to make sure everything goes smooth with this is the feedback and kind of the uh, the uh, you know error checking that you guys can do for us out there, and we do appreciate that. Uh, we have a great show for you today. We have announcer Jonathan. Darwin on and uh it's funny Ike and I were talking Ike does the interview with Jonathan and we were talking we think this is our first just full-time announcer we've ever had on the show uh we've never had anybody on who who's just their sole role in professional wrestling is as an announcer so it's this is really a, a cool thing today it's a great interview we hope you enjoy that of course we have another promo later in the show uh, we, we we sometimes call them the best worst promos they're not always bad promos per se they're usually usually kind of humorous and today's is uh, no exception we have a promo well it's actually an outtake of lance russell and jerry lawler uh pranking a uh, a, co- a state com- an athletic commission doctor in evansville it's pretty funny i highly suggest you go out and look up the youtube video because it's even funnier when you see it uh, all you gotta do is look up uh jerry lawler and lance russell prank doctor it's it's very very funny uh, one kind of news topic I did want to hit on just just a bit here at the top of the show is one of my favorite promotions that, that I've ever watched, that I've ever been a fan of, is Ring of Honor. And as everybody probably knows that's listening to this, Ring of Honor, uh, something's going on, right? They're they're doing a, what, what they're defining as as a reset. They're they're running. They just did their last set of TV tapings uh, that's scheduled. And which will carry them through to the end of the year and the final battle show. Then they're taking essentially the first quarter of 2022 off. It's supposedly coming back. Uh, I think it was April. Now, the, the 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 gist of this is though they're releasing everyone from their contracts, essentially. Uh, everybody's free to do other dates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's lots of rumors on what's happening with this. And I, I have to say that my gut, my instincts say. I'm not optimistic about their return. This this sounds like a, uh, I don't know, this sounds to me like a cover story, so to speak. That they're saying they're going to do this, but the, the plan is actually that this might be it for them. Um, I think this for multiple reasons. Number one, 
releasing everybody from the contract just seems kind of odd to me. Uh, I would think, I would think that if there is plans to come back, that at the very least, and maybe I'm maybe I'm incorrect on how this this is exactly working, but I would think there would be at least certain talents you would keep under those contracts if they have long term deals in place, so that when you come back, you at least have a core of some sort. It might be smaller. Uh, than what you're using now, but at least there's a core group of guys to use. I also think, you know, if they just came out and say, oh, this is going to be it, you know, we're, we're, we're folding up shop, it's been a good run, that maybe their fear is that maybe the final battle just won't perform, right? What people will be interested. Um, although, you know, it might be a fact that if, if, the, if that is the case, that, that maybe Final Battle would overperform, that people would want to tune in to see the last ever. Um, and I don't know. Maybe maybe it truly is plans to come back after the first quarter of 2022. The rumor is that if they do, that uh, they won't have contracted wrestlers. That it'll just be guys they bring in or whatever else. I'm assuming it's it's much like the model of what NWA does, right? That they, they do their TV tapings. They bring in guys that, uh, you know, will work those tapings, thus the TV show, it'll carry them out for a while, whatever it might be, a couple months. And uh, they'll probably book some of those guys for that big show. And then after that show, it's kind of a the next round. And uh, it might not be the same talent over Now, I would assume there will be some guys, possibly, because I don't know how you can have you know, champions that aren't, <laughs> that are not contracted. I mean, I just feel like that's a risk. Um. And it, but it, whatever it might be, I mean, this is kind of a shame to me. I know the 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 wrestling business in general; it's always been hard pressed uh, to support a third major brand, right? Whether it was the the AWA in their final years, whether it was ECW in the '90s, they've had spurts of success, but long term, it's it's very difficult. I think it's probably even more difficult now. I just don't know whether the viewers and the fans are there to support a third brand. I always felt Ring of Honor was in a good position, being owned by Sinclair Broadcasting, that Sinclair would want them for programming um, and something to put on their stations. Maybe they feel the, I don't know, if this is if this is the end, maybe they feel the costs outweigh the means, and, and it's just not viable enough that for what they're paying for the contracts etc and these events and you know that maybe they're it's cheaper on their part and they could draw on the the advertising revenue just by picking up something you know some show and syndication or something who knows um you know there's rumors that the tape library is up for sale uh, i've heard sources say that is absolutely not true i've heard sources say that is absolutely true uh, so that is curious if it is for sale um, I, I would think WWE would be interested uh, because it would give them former footage of some of the talents that have come through. And plus, they like swiping this stuff up just to have in, in, in their reservoir. Uh, I, of course, hope that does not happen. I do not feel they do a, a fine job at all of, uh, of footage and, and putting it on the network and especially the editing and whatever else. Uh, there are, of course, people saying, well, would AEW be interested in the footage? And I would think... If the if they could get it and the price would be within what they feel is fair, yes, they would. Again, it have they would have past footage of some of the talents they have, and plus, if they're ever going to strike with a streaming network of their own in the future, you you would they would need something like that, right? 
Um, so it will be curious to see what happens. Uh, my hope is that in some fashion, Ring of Honor comes back. Uh, I hope that they come back in a fashion that is still true to what the mission has always been and what the product has always been. Because overall, through their existence, I have very much enjoyed Ring of Honor. And it's it's really funny to me to look. If you look at wrestling right now, it would be a completely different picture of, of in a completely different form if it were not for Ring of Honor. Much like in the 90s, how ECW did have an impact on professional wrestling. And perhaps, you know, whether you believe it or not, I don't know, that, that it usher helped usher in the attitude area. And it helped usher in some hardcore stuff and some edgy stuff and, and uh, you know, the, the sex and violence things. I, I think it's pretty clear that ECW had an impact. I think Ring of Honor has had very much an impact on a uh, kind of a hybrid with the MMA and the influence of, you know, international wrestling with, you know, from Japan and Mexico, et cetera, and using those things. I think you see a lot of reflection in the current product and what Ring of Honor presented. Not to mention the fact that the talent that came through Ring of Honor really made their marks in Ring of Honor, who are now huge, impactful stars in professional wrestling and have been since then. So I don't think you can under undersell the importance of Ring of Honor and their impact in, in professional wrestling. Again, my gut, my gut is, I, I you know... I'm a glass half empty kind of guy with this. I feel, I, I, I just feel it just, it feels off, right? It feels off that this is the way they do it. I, I don't, I just don't know. Um, it feels like they wouldn't have to take a quarter off, right? They could have ran another set of tapings at the first of the year to provide television product for that time period even if they were going to switch over from having contracted wrestlers to non-contracted and just per appearance kind of thing, that you still could have done it without a hiatus This uh, of this nation. It just feels odd to me. It, it, something doesn't feel right. And uh, again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope they come back. I hope they come back and are more successful than ever. Uh, time will tell. We'll see. Uh, you know, we'll, I'll keep you posted on my opinions on anything new that develops, if it does. Between here and there, I, I think it is telling, you know, that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's odd to me that, you know, you saw the Briscoes pop up in Game Changer Wrestling recently and win the tag titles prior to this happening, and I, I think that's timely. I think it, I, you know, seems seems to fit in with the mode, right? The Anyway, that's my two cents on it. We'll see what happens. Uh, keep an eye on that development. But for now, let's take a break. And when we come back, Ike Isaacs has an interview with announcer Jonathan Darwin, the voice of tradition. So stick around. Be sure to follow the Dynasty Wrestling Podcast Network and all of the participating podcasts on social media. The easiest way to find us is on Twitter. You can follow the network at WrestlePods. And you can find all the individual shows at their Twitter accounts. You can find the Wrestling Nostalgia Show at Rassle Nostalgia, the Ring of Ding Dong Dandy Podcast at Stampede Pod, and the Wild Men Podcast at Wild Men Podcast. Also, search us on Facebook for pages and groups. Participate, interact, join the network, and be a fan. Thank you for your support. And welcome back to Wrestling Nostalgia. I am your co-host, Ike Isaacs, and I am joined with 
the voice of tradition, Jonathan Darwin. How are we doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Ike. Absolutely. It is, uh, it's our pleasure to have you on here today. But let's go ahead and we'll jump right into it. Our okay. first question is always, uh, where are you from, Jonathan? Originally, I'm from a small town, well, moderate-sized suburb in northeastern Ohio, Niles, Ohio. But I now currently reside in Fayetteville, West Virginia, the only city that has a perfectly good bridge and closes it once a year to allow people to jump off of it. Wow. I've actually yeah. I've been through <laughs> I've been through Fayetteville before, but that's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, they haven't done it for a couple of years, obviously, for obvious reasons with COVID and such. But yeah, once a year, like the third Saturday of October, they close the bridge down. They have certified base jumpers, and it also signifies the last day of rafting season. I gotcha. Wow, that's <laughs> that's a that's a heck of a tradition, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I like uh, I like sometimes doing a little, you know, daredevil stuff. So that'd be kind of cool to go see. Um, yeah. Yeah. And cool. over, yeah. And over the years, a lot of guys have worn GoPros. So if you just type in Bridge Day in some random year, uh, you can actually watch gentlemen who and ladies who posted their videos uh, using their GoPro as they jump off the bridge. No kidding. I, no kidding. I know what I, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> 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 oh Lord. But uh, all right, very cool. So growing up in Ohio, um, Ohio is a wonderful place. I, I grew up in Indiana, so I mean, Indiana, Ohio. There's 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 a lot of similarities in the Midwest. So, um, what was it like, you know, growing up in Ohio? What was it like to be a young Jonathan Darwin? Oh, it was a, it was a fantastic time. I'm the oldest of five, so I got spoiled by my grandparents the most because I was the first one there, and spent a lot of weekends there. And that's how actually I became interested in professional wrestling. Uh, <clears throat> Grandma, not so much into it, but I lived perfectly geographically where we lived in two markets that showed wrestling challenge back to back. So from 11 to 12, I would watch it in the Youngstown market. And then from 12 to 1, I would watch the exact same program in the Cleveland market. Wow. And then, of course, the uh, usual Saturday, 6.05 on TBS. I gotcha. So definitely had had plenty to watch growing up with wrestling. Oh, yeah. oh yes. <laughs> um, actually, it's funny. I'm, I'm also the oldest of five uh, kids. So <laughs> I, I, I know what it's like to be the oldest. So I feel you there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh so, you know, that's actually pretty cool, you know, growing up and getting like some of those, you know, local syndicates and whatnot. Um, mm -hmm. Who were uh, who were some of your favorites growing up? Who are you a fan of um, wrestling wise? Oh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, of um, a Hulk, <laughs> I'm a Hulk. Okay. Uh, my oldest memory. And I for some reason, I thought they did this during that Friday night, Saturday morning preview show that they always do before the start of the Saturday morning cartoons. And I'm probably wrong, but it's it's when. Andre rips Hogan's shirt and okay. challenge him for WrestleMania three. Yep. And yeah, so I was a Hulkamaniac through and through. Uh, when my parents divorced about 11, I spent some weekends with my mother and she got a copy of WrestleMania three and I watched it every single weekend I was over there. So I liked Hillbilly Jim. I liked Roddy Piper. Uh, I liked Bruce, the barber beefcake. Like most people, I despise the Honky Tonk Man and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Of course. <laughs> of course. Wow. Yeah. 
That's a, I mean, honestly, that's a wonderful time to grow up in. Um, I do recall WrestleMania three, obviously I, I personally was not quite alive at that point, but I have seen WrestleMania three. Um, so obviously it's an, an incredible experience, uh, to, I mean, I would assume growing up in that time, but, uh, Oh yeah. So, you know, obviously, you know, you have all these favorites as a kid. Uh, you have the love of wrestling that you created so young, which is a wonderful thing. Wrestling's right. great. Um, but eventually you said, you know what? I kind of want to, I kind of want to be a part of this. I want to take the next step and I want to interact with the sport, with the spectacle. So, you know, tell us what was that moment that said, I want to do this uh, at least part of my life. I want to do something with this. Okay. So about 16, I said, I want to be a wrestler. I was 125 soaking wet. And, <laughs> and in fact, I had a friend's grandmother who used to make fun of me and said, what are you going to be? The guy that the, that they beat up. This is when they were still using the enhancement talent on wrestling challenge and superstars. <laughs> Uh, so I went to college and <clears throat> my, I, I watched wrestling. I was a fan. I had a show on the college access network and then I went to law school. Then I got involved in education. It wasn't until I moved to West Virginia in 2007 that I'm like, had the opportunity to be part of it. And it was just by freak occurrence that it happened. Uh, wrestling in Southern West Virginia is still a hotbed. It's uh, not common, uncommon to see multiple promotions. And at the time that I moved here, there was one promotion on the Fox affiliate, and that was Mountain State Wrestling. <clears throat> I had done a couple of announcer things, and a friend came down to visit me, and we watched part of an episode, and I, there was a meet and greet. And we went to the meet and greet hoping to get booked, like most people. Of course. And one of the talents there was Damon Wright and the other just happened to be former WCW star Maestro. And, we t and myself and the girl and Maestro, we all talked for a few minutes and he's like, you know what? Bring a suit, bring a suit tonight. And in Mount Hope, West Virginia, I made my debut for Mountain State Wrestling as a ring announcer. Wow. Yeah. And we were <laughs> that is a freak occurrence. <laughs> yeah, it is because it just so happens my friend came down it just so happens that they were doing the meet and greet, and it just so happens Maestro was there. And the interest, other interesting fold to that is a week later, I show up in Gent, West Virginia, thinking, oh, I'll just ring announce again, and maybe we'll do an interview. We'll get started with that. And apparently the promoter and the commentator had a tiff. And one week after making my debut, I'm the new play-by-play -play commentator for Mountain State Wrestling. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's like, come on in. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I have a lot of public speaking experience and I carry myself pretty professionally. And I had such a wrestling knowledge since I watched wrestling most of the 80s and in the 90s and so on that I felt comfortable and actually took to it like a duck to water. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and honestly, that's one of those things, too, is that having, you know, first and foremost, any kind of public speaking or any sort of communications background is definitely going to help you um, mm -hmm. in a situation where you're going to be commentating and everything else. Um, mm -hmm. So, honestly, it's crazy because a lot of the folks, you, like you say, you show up and they're just like, OK, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you became a commentator kind of by chance almost. Yeah. Um, you started out with the ring announcing and then, you know, 
when you showed back up, they're like, oh, well, we actually have a spot that we need you to fill. And then mm-hmm. um, obviously for people who maybe don't know, a, a lot of promotions obviously use commentators, um, but there are still some who perhaps don't. So I feel like commentating is one of those things that, in my opinion, you kind of need. Commentating is just so important. But with that being said, um, did you did you at any point in your time as a wrestling fan say to yourself, I want to be a commentator? Or is this just something that you just kind of happened upon and said, let's just do it? I, and I happened upon it. I mean, yeah, I knew who Jim Ross was. I knew who Vince McMahon was. I knew who Tony Schiavone was. It never registered with me like, oh, this is the path to get in. It was by chance because I knew like before I started the ring announcing, I decided to try to become a wrestler because mm-hmm. while I was doing uh, another show and we had time and I felt I did the introductory bump, as they like to call it. I forgot to tuck my head. I hit the wood and go, I'm fine. I'll stay at the desk. <laughs> yep. So, so, yeah, it was I never it didn't register with me until I actually got into it like, oh, my goodness, I can do this. And this could be a path to bigger things. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, definitely it is, you know, you start out commentating and it's just one of those things where you just start moving on up, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with commentating, a lot of people, again, I, I feel like people don't really realize the importance of, you know, play by play commentation and Kind of like you said, you know, you growing up, you hear all these, you know, people, especially in the WWE of Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross, you know, that was that was the the two, you know, that was the pair that everyone kind of uh, clings to, if you will, for, mm-hmm. you know, WWE. So yes. a lot of people don't realize that what they're doing is incredibly important for people who right. are at home. They're they're there to kind of guide the action. So with that being said, content is, is no easy business <laughs> no um did anyone like help mentor you uh, when you broke in or help guide you on the finer points of commentating Stro helped me a lot uh especially because there were some things i didn't get down uh there was another couple people there uh one was his name was jc dykes jr and i'm trying to remember for the life of me who the other person was and i feel so embarrassed but i cannot remember who that was the only thing i know is both him and J.C. Dykes Jr. were graduates of Boogie's Wrestling Camp, which is Boogie Woogie Valiant School. And they taught me some of the finer nuances. They taught me not only to tell the story that's going on, but to engage the audience to watch later. Like, hey, don't forget about our main event or talking about a match that just happened because we're trying to promote the storyline and advance it. So they taught me that integration. They also taught me how to pitch to commercial, how to come back from commercial, pitch to an interview. And and just all those little things helped develop the skills that I would need to continue where I'm going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sorry. Go ahead, Isaac. No, no, you're, you're quite all right. Go right ahead. Keep on going. Well, Keep rolling. Okay, so, <laughs> well, you talked about Jim Ross and <clears throat> Jerry the King Law. For me, my team that I re- default to is Gorilla and Bobby. I, I still work it in as an as an homage to Gorilla Monsoon. I work with a bad guy commentator. We've worked for three different promotions now over about a 10-year period. And when he says something, I will say, will you stop just to <laughs> just to talk about just to bring up Gorilla Monsoon? Absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say there, I, I was going to kind of, I was thinking to myself, I was like, depending on what generation you're in, obviously mm-hmm. the JR uh, Lawler, that's one. But yeah, of course, you know, Monsoon, it's just, oh man, I, I have not, and I'm not going to lie to you, I've not watched um, older wrestling in a long time. So now I'm going to have to go back because I'm like, man, they need to freshen up on some of these people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, when you do the commentating and everything else, you know, there's obviously those people that you want to integrate into your persona because, you know, there's so many great people who came before us. It's hard not to, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, I still study Cottle and Russell and Mercer because I incorporate that Southern wrestling style into my body of work. And I've become an absolute humongous fan of Lance Russell and trying to figure out ways to do things similar to him. And you just have to keep studying and keep growing. Absolutely. 100%. Um, I can't remember who it was. I interviewed a long time ago. Um, But what, what they've said to me always stuck with me. If you're not learning, you're not growing, get out of the business. That's what they said. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I can never remember who said that. I'm going to have to go back and, watch all of our old episodes to figure out who said that to me because I for, for, for the life of me I've always remembered it but I can never remember who said it <laughs> <laughs> but absolutely so with commentating um, you've obviously brushed shoulders with I mean I'm probably thinking hundreds of different people unique individuals um, tell us some of the favorite talent that you've had the ability to work with and uh, whether that be at the table or just you know interviewing top of my head interviewing i got to call one match of his i got to interview him at the same event and then i ring announced another match that he did he came all the way from san diego california and that was scrap iron adam pierce pierce and i yeah pierce and i have a good bond and i earned a lot of his respect because i'll give you uh, two stories uh, the first time we brought him in to wrestle Maestro for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship, the promoter trusted me enough to be Adam's body man. You know, I picked him up from the airport. I got him to the hotel. I took him back to the hotel. Took, and then when we had him again, I was only 15 minutes from the venue, but Pierce was two, two and a half hours away from the town he wrestled in the night before. And when I told him that, it blew his mind and we really bonded on that trip. Not only just talking along during that way, but at the meet and greet later on that evening, he did his little part, but him and I snuck upstairs and we watched, and I can't remember which pay-per-view it was, but I remember it was punk and Brian. It was in a ladder match and he broke down nuances to me and he told me, Hey, this is what they do here. So, I mean, you talk about getting an opportunity to have a master class. That was one of the most phenomenal experiences of my wrestling career. Absolutely. Wow. And that, that's one of those once in a lifetime experiences, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, I mean, the, the stars just aligned for that one. <clears throat> I speak, but you do, you were asking me about people. Uh, one of my favorite matches to call, and I've been trying to find it on YouTube, but I think it's only on DVD was when I was working for NWA Smoky Mountain in Kingsport, Tennessee, and it was Jason the Gift Kincaid versus John Morrison. And it was a wrestling clinic, 
and it was one of my favorite matches ever to call. And I got to pick Morrison's brain for a little bit about how to put together a demo reel. So, oh, wow. yeah. Wow. <laughs> and let's see, at the same event, Bruce Tharp happened to be there and they were getting ready to release NWA Classics On Demand, that website, because Tharp still had the library at that time. And he's like, hey, you want? can I interview you? And we skid out of the way and my loving wife, who was more having an ulterior motive because he wanted to, she wanted to get her picture taken with John Morrison, uh, agreed to <laughs> film Bruce and I, and that video has like 1,100, 1,200 views. Wow. It's, it's one of the most proud moments of my career. Uh, absolutely. I would, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and honestly, that's part of, that's probably one of the favorite things that I get to talk to people about is, you know, the people who they've gotten to, you know, uh, talk to and have experiences with and, in my opinion, it's one of the greatest things because, you know, you it's like getting a highlight reel of everyone's career. So that's one mm-hmm. of my favorite things. But that's awesome. That's incredible, yeah. really. Yeah, but, it is. Um, what I was just going to say, you know, uh, to kind of work off of that, you know, you kind of talked about learning from people. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, again, one of the most important things everyone you interact with, learn something from them. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, commentating, again, as, we, as we've touched on, is a difficult talent. People mm-hmm. think that you just have to talk about wrestling, but it's so much more than just talking about wrestling. Um, for people who maybe uh, don't quite understand, I guess, like you kind of you even said the word nuance, people who don't quite understand the nuances and the details of being a commentator, how do you like to work to accent the match and help the talent shine? That's a great question. What I like to do, and this is a lot with the Ring Wars Carolina promotion I'm with currently, is I will either go to, and I guess the genie's out of the bottle, the booker, and say, okay, what story am I telling here? What bullet points do you want me to hit? If it's a talent that I've never called a match for before, I'll go over and get information from them. And sometimes the booker will tell me, all right, this is what's going to happen. But recently, we've gone away from that to get a more natural reaction, and I really like that. So I know somewhat what the story's going, but just like the fans, I have no idea where the ending is going to happen or how it's going to happen. And that's really led to a different style of performance, if you want to call it performance. No, absolutely. And honestly, that's a really, really, really actually a good idea. I've never thought about it that way, um, Mm -hmm. to kind of keep the you know the the commentation sort of i I don't i don't want to say out of the loop but keep Mm -hmm. them sort of you know um with some of that mystery if you will because then that leads like you said more you know uh a more genuine reaction more realistic um i I think that's honestly something because you know uh, dave and i we actually had a chance to do some commentating um for a small of our promotion here in uh, indiana um Mm -hmm. And then he moved to North Carolina, so we stopped doing it. But, the, uh, <laughs> you know, but when we did it, I always felt it was kind of odd knowing what was going to happen, you know, already yeah. knowing the outcomes. And it kind of I don't want to say necessarily spoil the show for me, because obviously I, you know, I know I know it's beyond the kayfabe and everything else. But, you know, in the future, if I ever have to commentate again, I will definitely remember the uh, that as a training method to already don't know what's going to happen make it genuine if you will <laughs> yeah now the thing is it's that is really a double-edged sword yeah it gets a genuine reaction from me the times that i did know it though it was easier for me at least 
to craft the story because I knew right. how the story was going to end. And I, so I do, I do miss it and I don't miss it. So just one of those things. Right. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah. to kind Please of even, go. yeah, no, you're okay. You're okay. I was just going to say, you know, um, to kind of even build on that a little bit more, um, you know, you're talking about how to, you know, accent the match and help the talent shine. That was obviously one of the things you talked about is, you know, kind of knowing either knowing or not knowing what's happening, but also, like you said, having an idea of what the story is um, and talking to the individual, you know, people who are in the ring and everything else. And, you know, that's a great way to get an idea of what's going on. But in addition to that, mm-hmm. uh, you said you work with a partner. Mm-hmm. A dividing topic with commentation is whether there should be two, three, four, or however many people. Um, what do you prefer and, and why? I prefer two. Uh, right. And if it's done correct, uh, you can do three if it's done correctly. Uh, it seems though. It depends upon who's running the traffic that night, whether or not that goes smoothly or on the other side of it becomes an absolute train wreck. I prefer two. <laughs> I prefer two. And, and yeah. the reason for that is we I've always had that dynamic. You know, when it's me and Stephen Hensley, I'm I'm the light side. He's the dark side. When I do was doing it, when Stephen was retired, I had several wrestlers in the booth with me and i treated it like for lack of a better term like monday night football and i would talk to the wrestler and say okay so what's he trying to do here or how does that affect the body and you can't really do that in a three-man booth so my preference is two-man yeah absolutely i mean that makes perfect sense um i mean i I think it also kind of goes back to you know, we were talking about you know the, the the commentation teams that we you know grew up with or that we really s- signal with, and I feel like that also kind of goes back to sort of how they operated. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the dynamic duos because um, I for the life of me I can't remember a time where I watched wrestling and I'm like, yeah, that third commentator was great because I honestly can't remember a time where there was a third commentator that I significantly remember. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, could be a good thing or a bad thing, I suppose. But yeah, it, um, it is. I mean, Zabisco added a little bit of flavor there. Mongo did with the Nitro. Again, though, it comes down to who's directing traffic. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So kind of to uh, we're going to circle back just a tiny bit. Um, sure. We've, we've talked a little bit about sort of your body of work, how you uh, push yourself into a you know position to basically do your work and to do your work as well as you do. Right. But um, how do you approach trying to establish yourself in a role that a lot of promoters may not feel needs to be filled? That's a great question. <clears throat> for the promotions that I have worked for, I have not ever had to go in cold. Right. I, I always had a reference that said, hey, they're looking for X, whether that was an announcer, an interviewer, or a commentator. I've been very fortunate in that where I've never had to go in cold. From NWA Mountain State, it was Jason Kincaid vouching for me. That's how I got to work in NWA Smoky Mountain. Uh, For Ring Wars Carolina, that would be James Anthony, who I work with in AIWF, and Tony Richardson, 
got me into AIWF Mid-Atlantic because I, I did not know anybody there. So I, I've been very blessed that I have not had to attempt to go in cold because you're absolutely yeah. right. It can be daunting. It can be cold. And I've heard stories, not from me personally, but colleagues that have had times not only getting that foot in the door, but then getting compensated for their work and compensated right. uh, properly. Right. No hot dog and a handshake moments. <laughs> no, no, you know, no. In fact, I have all. Yes, some have paid less. Some, but I now at a point in my career after 15 years, I'm either breaking even every month or I'm in the black. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So no, none of those, none of those. I mean, my first time out of the gate, I made thirty dollars, and he could have given me ten, and I still would have been happy. But <laughs> I've I've always gotten a respectable payoff wherever I worked, and I that's that's awesome. Yeah, I commend the promoters for that. Yeah, no, I, I that's what I was going to say. You know, um, I I talked to you know obviously when I talk to folks, you know, a lot of the people that I talk to are either um the the actual like their actual wrestlers or their uh, i've talked to a few managers and i've even talked to like some people who do like you know photography and stuff like that so this is honestly one of the first time that i've ever had a chance to talk to someone with i, I would say a pretty significant commentating career mm-hmm. um and it, it's interesting because i mean you talk to some of these wrestlers and they're like oh yeah you know I, I went to i went wrestled my heart and soul on the mat and when i got out of the ring um, they told me to leave, or, you know, something like that, you know. Yeah. And it's, oh man, but I'm, I'm honestly very glad that you had, didn't have that kind of an experience, because I know if I had that experience, it would totally ruin my perception of wrestling. You know what I mean? Like it would definitely yeah. put you in the dumps <laughs> for sure. The only, the only time I ever got stiffed on a payment was in Bluefield, West Virginia. But not only myself got stiffed, but the entire locker room and. The names there that night were Diamond Dallas Page and the New Age Outlaws. I believe Kipsop, Billy Gunn, uh, got a security deposit, but the rest of them got nothing. And the reason we got nothing is because the promoter got arrested because he gave the National Guard Army a check that bounced. Really? Yes. So he got arrested that night because we're all looking at him in handcuffs and going, all right, none of us are making money tonight. <laughs> Dang. I, you know that's just that's bad luck i guess <laughs> yeah yeah but you, but you know what I, at least it's never happened to me individually I, and here's the other thing i've done <clears throat> that's helped and and i can't say anybody else i know that's done this i'll work with the promoter hey i don't have it okay when do you get paid i get paid this friday or i get paid next friday all right send me the money via paypal and that goes a long way when you're willing to work with an individual, because <clears throat> at least with commentary, it's about building that long term relationship. It's not like I'm going in for one event and going, OK, thanks. See you. Never. Right. Uh, you, you know, you're going to go back in. So if you can figure out some way to negotiate with them or develop some sort of rapport saying, hey, you know, I know you took a bath tonight. Uh, give me half, then give me half next time or whatever. That speaks volumes to a promoter. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and, and you're absolutely right because uh, that commentation relationship is so much different than, um, I mean, any other relationship that someone has with a promotion. I mean, you're, you're not just a performance. You're not just talent. You're essentially a part of like the, the crew in a way. Yes. You're, you're, you're that, you're kind of an integral to a lot of those operations, especially for people who do shows and actually record and everything else. Um, like you said, you're not just showing up to a random promotion and saying, Hey, you need commentation tonight or something. Yeah. But exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Wow. So, so we've talked a lot about, you know, your upbringing in the business, um, a lot of your experiences and sort of your, uh, if you will, you know, how you how you really engage with a show. Mm-hmm. So we want to also kind of know, you know, we've learned about some of the places you've worked in the past, but who do you work for regularly now? And, you know, could you tell us a little bit about those promotions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are a couple different promotions I work with right now. There are three currently. Uh, my home base, as I like to call it, is Ring Wars Carolina out of Lumberton, North Carolina. They are on YouTube, on the Ring Wars Carolina TV. They are also on the King Network app, which is available on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. And they have a spot every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. An episode of RWC Battlegrounds <clears throat> airs. I'm also working with International Combat Sports. And I'm sure of the relief announcer, although that may start to change in 2022. And that's out of Dunbar, West Virginia. And let's see, who else do I work for? Okay, Premier Wrestling League, Mid-Atlantic, which is out of Bluefield, West Virginia. For the longest time, we were just doing ring announcing. Uh, They have now started into filming. They do have a YouTube channel. I believe it's Premier Wrestling League. I'm doing single-man commentary and post there. So I'm wearing multiple hats, which can make the times interesting. And and I'm in negotiations to possibly go back to AIWF Mid-Atlantic out of Mount Airy, North Carolina. Uh, they are, I have a good relationship with the owner and we're talking about like, Hey, this is his vision for 2022 and nothing's concrete yet, but I could definitely see me back there in the coming year. Wow. So, so it definitely sounds like you have your playful for sure. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? That's not a bad thing because yeah. the fact that I can work for multiple promotions and not have for lack of a better term, heat with any of the promoters to understand like, hey, no, you're going to work here. And the fact that I'm willing to travel, like for me, the my home base promotion, Ring Wars Carolina, is five and a half hours from my home. Wow. And I do that, do that once a month. So I'm willing to put in that distance if there's a payoff, in which there is because of the fact that they have YouTube and they have the King Network TV app. So there's a lot of eyeballs on my work. For sure. Absolutely. And as a commentator, you got to have, you got to have all eyes and ears on you for sure. <laughs> yes. And speaking of eyes and ears, I'm trying to remember when I did it. I think it was about two months ago and I took the boldest step of my career. Uh, I was watching a live YouTube feed from onewrestling.com and I was commenting about how I was a commentator and the host gave me his email address and said, hey, I'd be happy to watch your work. And for the longest time, I sat on that email. And then something inside me just clicked and said, all right, send him this episode. I did. He did not watch the whole thing. He told me that in the email that he didn't, but he was impressed with my work. And to be complimented by Bill After, of all people, 
is one of the most humbling and rewarding experiences of my entire life. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's how you, you know, you got to take some risks though, especially as a commentator and, you know, you got to, I guess you got to get out there and really show yourself and say, yo, this is what I can do. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it had a payoff. Yeah, it has. It has every time, uh, like for international combat sports, I got hired there because of Jason Kincaid and Johnny Blast. So the fact that I always have a colleague that's willing to recommend me uh, really means a lot to me at this point in my career that I've earned the respect of my peers that they will yeah, say, hey, you're looking, for, you're looking for somebody? I got the guy for you. Right. Absolutely. And you're like, and that's me. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's me. And that's me. And here's my wrestling resume. Here's my promo photos. Uh, here's, what I, here's what I've done. I don't have a traditional demo reel. I just say, hey, watch this episode and go to this time code. And whether they watch it, I don't know. But right. you have it available. You have it available. That's right. Absolutely. Wow. So, you know, we've talked a lot, I feel like, um, about you as a commentator, right? We talked a lot about your commentation, your work, your, again, upbringing in the business. Um, but one thing we also like to do, is we also like to kind of, I guess, take a step outside the business okay. and say, you know, uh, people probably recognize you for your work as a commentator. There are probably people out there who, who do know who you are. And when they watch, they see your commentation. They're like, wow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But they may not know who you are outside of the ring, if you will. Right. So what are some of your interests outside of wrestling? What are some things that maybe fans don't know about you? I have been involved in some facet of education since 2002. I have worked as a substitute teacher. I have worked as a full-time teacher. I've worked as an after-school tutor. I'm now currently working in correctional education. So there's always, I've always had my finger in it somehow, and I'm continuing to grow in that. And now I'm looking at getting my master's degree in curriculum and instruction so that I can continue to grow in that field. Some people may some people know about me and not know about me. I, I pull back what I call pull back the curtain every now and again and will show a picture of my son who's five. And I got to actually show the best picture last Sunday because he was there by himself with me or with me. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? And he became the timekeeper for the evening. And I. That picture that I posted of him smiling and holding the bell hammer got more likes than any picture I have ever posted on Instagram or Facebook. So so I have that. I have a wife of 10 years who's been the most loving and supportive individual. In fact, early on in my career, I was doing like a back-to-back thing, and there was a chance I wasn't going to make it to her house for Valentine's Day. And she sent me a text to go like about a week further, earlier and goes, look, I know this is important to you. So, but luckily, before she pulled out to go to dinner with her family, I just happened to show up. It could have been written better. And she has been uh, my rock and my heart and soul. She's absolutely supported me. Uh, when I was working under a different name, she got a shirt made that said Mrs. Jonathan Styles, and she would wear that to the events. And it was absolutely it was heartwarming. So it's those things. I spent a lot of time with family. I spent spent a lot of time. Uh, either watching wrestling or just being involved with my son. Cause when you have a young kid, 
you try to put them in things and then that becomes your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Always good, heartwarming stuff. I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. But um, right on. So mm-hmm. I guess to kind of re-gear for a moment um, sure. as we sort of wrap up, um, you know, we've talked again a lot about a lot of stuff. Won't name it all. But one thing I love to ask people is because, you know, I feel like time just moves by so fast. I feel like 2021 has come and gone. Literally, mm-hmm. it's November. Um, so with 2021 almost ending, 2022 almost starting, what are some goals that you have for the remainder of this year and moving into 2022? Great question. And <clears throat> I will get to the answer, but it, it involves a story because it's about growth and learning a new skill. And this was the best money I ever spent in my life for wrestling. <clears throat> I went on to Cameo, which is, the, for those that don't know, it's a website where you can get celebrities to say happy birthday and all this and that. And they were running a promotion, and I spent money that was a good investment. And I got one from Nick Aldis, and I asked, got in five minutes, the best advice I ever got because the question I asked him one question, how do I get to the NWA? And he gave me a lot of insight that I had not thought about before. So the goals for 2021 at the end here is I'm going to, I'm going to continue to obviously work as many places as I can. I'm now also trying to get into the post-production side because I did not know this, but all this actually has a hand in the videography for NWA power. And he's self-taught that way. The other thing that I have done is Steve has really gotten on me sometimes. He's like, not every match is fantastic. You need to find another word, (laughs) which he's 100% right in that case. So I went on Amazon and I bought a thesaurus and I'm, I'm integrating that thesaurus now and reading not cover to cover, but certain words. And one thing I've added in 2021 that I want to go into in 2022 is I'm working multiple places is I like to go to talent and go, give me one adjective to describe yourself. And from that adjective, I'll look it up in the thesaurus and I got like five or six different things I can call that person. Excuse me. And so I'm learning to increase my vocabulary. I'm going to learn videography because I need to make my own reels. I'm going to continue to work as many places as I can. And in 2022, I'd like to be at the point where I can go to Billy Corgan or whoever I need his designee is and say to the National Wrestling Alliance, here's my reel. Here's my resume. Or go be comfortable enough getting in contact with D'Lo Brown because a friend and I was good enough to get his email and go, here's what I got for you guys. Or continue my relationship with Caprice Coleman and Ian Riccoboni, who both have given me good advice and say, okay, we know ROH is back. Where do you, can I fit in? Here's what I got. Can you guys give me notes? Can you, or can you say, Hey, now's the time you need to come to Baltimore. So by the end of 2022, I'm not going to say I'm hired by one of those places because timing is everything in this business. I'm going to be in a better position to go, if there is a chance, I'm ready for it, which I've never said before in my career, like, oh, I'm ready to work here because I, I get self-conscious about my work. I will look at it and go, man, I could have tightened this up or I could have done that differently. I'm like my own worst critic. 
And I've throttled back a lot to never send my stuff to a bigger place because I'm like, no, I'm not ready. And by the by December of 2022, I want to go either I'm ready or I've, I'm ready earlier in the year and I've set my stuff to those places. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's one of those toughest things to ever come to is that kind of like that uh, self-doubt, if you will, because you're just telling yourself, yeah, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So that's the biggest trial of them all, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, it is. It is. And, and we are our own worst critics. Like I've had many peers that have watched my work and go, dude, you, you don't have a, you don't know how amazing you actually are. You have your very talented you have all of this and one of the things i pride myself on that that talent likes that i've worked with me working in multiple places is i will talk to them and i will get notes and i have a two-inch binder i got guys that i hadn't worked with in years but when they showed up in another promotion i already had the background info on them and they respect that so even though i go uh, I, I just i i'm like i guess like mark hamill in a way because he doesn't even like to watch his own work because right. no it's seriously yeah because he, he talked about like he's just he's his own worst critic and i think we all are in that way uh, so talking to my peers more has given me more confidence especially people like bill after especially people like ian riccaboni especially people like caprice coleman that has made me go i'm not ready yet i can be though and i got a plan laid out which is something i've never had before the middle of 2021 Wow. Mm -hmm. wow 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 that's me that's that's the way to go you have a plan you're ready to rock and roll (laughs) yeah absolutely that's awesome wow well you got you got to be ready and i'm sorry to cut you off you got to be ready ready. because because look what happened to me one week i'm ring announcing the next week i'm commentating and this is why i haven't set my stuff for ring of honor somebody got on me and go how much ring of honor have you watched and i'm like well about four or five episodes behind he's like you can't do that and send your stuff in what if you're there that night and ian gets sick and they go all right you're up and that was like one of those cold water on you moments for me to go. It could happen that way. Right. And I, you have to be ready. You have to be ready because you may only get one bite at the apple. That's true. That's a that's actually a really good analogy. You may only get one bite at the apple. I'll have to t- I'll have to remember that one for the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank um. you. That's yeah. I mean, you're not wrong though. I mean, it's like you said. It, literally, if you look back at your own track record, you just showed up to a promotion, and they're like, "Yeah, let's have you ring announce." You showed up the next time, and they're like, "All right, let's ha- let's have you compensate." It could literally yeah. turn out to be another one of those moments. And if you're if you're behind, then that's not gonna it's not gonna be good. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. And but and I, and I'll give you another example of that. Uh, the owner of Ring Wars Carolina happened to go out to Las Vegas. And he was there for the WWE tryout scouting camp, not as not to actually try out, but to network for some of his talent from his school. And he would talk about how cold WWE guys would be because they had to. There was just so many people there. They would get in the ring, try to do some sort of exercise. You could tell they were not in shape and they go next or they two guys would lock up and it wouldn't be strong enough. And they yell next. And it's cold. But that's it. That's your bite at the apple. Right. So. If you're not ready, you're in trouble. Absolutely. Well, honestly, you know, it's weird because, like, I've heard stories about people going to, like, those camps and stuff, and Mm -hmm. they do, like, those exercises. But 
you know, I've never heard that aspect of it either. So that's, you know, got to, got to, got to, you may only have one bite at the apple. I mean, literally. Yeah. Wow. That's going to be another one of those things that stick with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to remember who said it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Oh, Lord. Wow. 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 So I guess what I want to do real quick before we, you know, close out, um, you know, we, I'm sure you know, and you've even mentioned this, um, you know, networking, social networking, social media, yeah. all that good stuff. It's all important. So for anyone out there who wants to watch some of your work or maybe wants to follow you on social media and kind of keep track of, you know, what you're doing with your career, um, mm-hmm. where could they go to watch you and or follow you? Excellent question. All right. So on Facebook, it's Jonathan Darwin. So I only have 1,500 friends. So send me the friend request. I still got plenty of room. Uh, on Instagram, it's at Jonathan Darwin. On Twitter, it's underscore Jonathan Darwin. Think about changing that. If anybody's got any ideas, tweet me. Uh, <laughs> as, seriously, because I've tried to get Jonathan Darwin, and there's been a guy that's been parked on it since 2011 and has never sent out a tweet. Uh, so that's always fun. As <laughs> far as as far as watching my work with international combat sports, with Premier Wrestling League, with Ring Wars Carolina, uh, YouTube. Those are the current promotions that I've worked for. Uh, again, with Ring Wars Carolina, you can see that on King Network TV. <clears throat> through the app. Now, if you want to see some of my older work, look at AIWF Mid-Atlantic. Uh, look at Indie Wrestling World. That used, that's the old NWA Mountain State channel. And they have everything. Like, I was there starting at episode 130 or so. I'd have to go back and get the actual number to the day the doors closed. So, wow. yeah. So, And there are some good matches there. There's some of my that's where I met Steve. That's some of our best berating towards each other. Uh, that's where I got beat down, not once, but twice. So if you like seeing announcers get their butts kicked, that's a good place to watch. <laughs> so those are the five, five places on YouTube I would recommend to anybody. Or six. I can't remember what the total was right. at this point. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Mm-hmm. Wow. So everybody out there who is listening right now, I want you to pause what you're doing. Go on social media, follow him everywhere. Check Thank it out you. on YouTube, all of those places, the five or six places that he mentioned. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things, too, where I, I, I want to use this sort of as a tool, if you will, to hopefully get people to realize that there's so much that goes into wrestling. And one of the most important pieces um, I've always stayed by this is that the pieces that do not operate in the ring are some of the most important pieces to wrestling. And that includes commentation, management, and everything else, you know, in between. So if you haven't already, check out the social media and the YouTube of the Voice of Tradition, Jonathan Darwin. You won't be sorry. And Jonathan, I want to give you a very special thank you again for taking the time to speak with us because it's been a pleasure getting to pick your brain a little bit. (laughs) Oh, I, I was really touched by the experience when Dave reached out and said, hey, we want to do you. Because I'm, even at 15 years, this is my first ever podcast interview. So I'm humbled that enough of the fans think of me to say, you know what? We want to interview them. And yeah. I'm really touched that you and Dave have taken this time to and will promote, put this out there so people can hear my story. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. No, absolutely. It's our genuine pleasure. And, uh, you know, maybe one day down the road, we'll get to talk to you again, maybe in 2022. When yeah. you've made it big, when you've gone to the NWA, when you've gone to Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. All right. 
All right, folks, we're going to close it off and we're going to hand it back to Dave Dynasty with Wrestling Nostalgia. Support all of the podcasts here on the Dynasty Wrestling Podcast Network. The best way to do that is go to our Pro Wrestling Tees store. It is at ProWrestlingTees.com slash The Dave Dynasty. There you will find all of the shirts that we offer. I Heart Old School Wrestling, Bruiser Buddy, the Podcast Mask Shirt, and of course, the official shirts for the Ontario Wildman and the Ring and Ding Dong Dandy Podcast. Visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash The Dave Dynasty, order a shirt, and support the network. If you would also like to support, you can join our Patreon. It's at Patreon.com slash Dave Dynasty. There, you will get exclusive audio and video clips, early releases on podcasts, and much, much more. And if you would just like to make one-time contributions to support us, you can go to paypal.me slash the Dave Dynasty. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. Continue to support Independent Wrestling Podcast. Well, I know you got a really tough match coming up. That's right. We're you know, I, I always enjoy coming to Evansville, and I've had some of my toughest matches in Evansville, Indiana. And uh, I'd like to do something just a little out of the ordinary today, if I could. But most of the people don't realize, you know, what goes on before a match down in the dressing room, what takes place. A lot of the wrestlers, you know, they, they uh, have to come into the towns early, and they have to get there. And there's a commission, an athletic commission doctor in every city. And uh, we have a fine one here in here in Evansville, and he checks all the wrestlers. And his name is uh, Doctor Schriefer. And I'd like, yeah, Doctor Schriefer. This is Lance Russell. Hey, Hi, Lance. Doc. How are you? Pardon the microphone right there. Okay. We've had the pleasure of meeting you on a couple of occasions before, and we're delighted to have you with uh, with us on this interview uh, for Evansville. And here you uh, have been in uh, been in the business of inspecting the uh, the wrestlers for what? How long? Oh, checked them about 16 years. Oh. And you check them over for what they're... Yeah, blood pressure heart and heart and chest. Anything I see wrong, which may uh, disqualify them, I disqualify them on uh, certain conditions. Uh-huh. And most uh, are most of these guys really pretty pretty amazing physical specimens? They're good specimens. Most of them are real good. You know, they take a lot of uh, backdrops and, uh, and things like that. And... Uh, it's got to shake them up. I know that, that they, they get banged around a lot. Well, it's bound to shake them up, but, fella, you know, uh, most of us know how to fall. I played a little football in my days, and most of us know how to fall basketball, and you usually know how to fall a little bit, land on your legs or something like that, or on your feet, and sometimes takes the pressure off. Well, I, I, I've heard that from all the traveling that they do, uh... That, and you know a lot of the backdrops, and these guys, a lot of these guys have hemorrhoids, and uh, it, it. So really, I've heard that yeah, that, really. that that uh, it is it's a tough way, and I, I assume uh, <laughs> probably the doc sticks his he sticks he sticks his finger up our ass and jacks us hemorrhoids. Come on, before sure. the match. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I don't worry about the hemorrhoids. Really? No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. Hey, come on, Jerry. This is a family show. We're gonna have to cut. Yeah, that's all. Get out of here. Yeah, thank. That's right. Thank you. Pleasure and thank you very much. Come on, Jerry. That's enough. We're not gonna have it. All right, and I am back here on Wrestling Nostalgia. I am Dave Dynasty, and there you had it, Jerry Lawler and Lance Russell pranking. The uh, commission doctor in uh, Evansville, Indiana. 
I advise you to go out to YouTube, look up uh, Jerry Lawler, Lance Russell, Prank Doctor, and watch the video because it's funny because Radoff shot, <laughs> you can see Lawler trying not to crack up. It's it's pretty funny. And he actually actually uh, drops trowel a little bit there uh, as he asked the doctor to check him for hemorrhoids. Uh, such a funny clip. I, I love outtakes like that. It's it's funny uh, to see to see that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Thank you to Ike Isaacs for conducting our interview today on our uh, episode. And thank you to Jonathan Darwin for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. And uh, that's it. I'm going to get out of here. Uh, probably going to go on a, a little down the rabbit hole on YouTube and watch some more outtakes of wrestling promos and interviews because that's what I do. Uh, anyway, this is Wrestling Nostalgia. I am Dave Dynasty. Thank you for joining us. And wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe, and keep on growing.